into the NBA Morning Deuce. Oh baby, big Monday episode. The NBA Finals are set, people. We are rolling. Alex, I think um, I probably just need to get it out of the way, right? Should I probably just get, yeah, get it out? So. Just get it out of the way right off the top. I, I mean. Think so. I apologize for everybody coming off of intro music that I have to do this and get it out of the way, but just might as well just do it now. Can you feel the heat down in your soul? so long it's such an obnoxiously long it's, like it's sound bite long. to play on a podcast but the miami heat are in the nba finals unbelievable it's just the more i think about what they're doing we i've brought up multiple times it being one of the best playoff runs in nba history but it really is even even winning 4-2 just it's the heat won game six last night 125 113 they win the eastern conference they're back in the finals for the first time since not 2014. But just this team being in the NBA finals is crazy. It's just crazy. Just looking at the roster and looking how they did it. It's such an unbelievable run. And regardless of what happens in the finals, it's one of the best playoff runs ever. A five seed just dominating in the playoffs to get to the finals. So they said it on the broadcast, and I think I, I don't even think there's an argument that it's the most unlikely, you know, like no one at the beginning of the season, if we go back to the beginning of the season, no one had them pegged as no a I, contender in the East. Or, and now they're in the finals. When they made the Iguodala trade, I said that gives them a really good chance. Like it gives them a much better chance because they got deeper and they got a fo- former finals MVP and whatever. I said, oh, they, they have a shot, but it's not even like that they made it, which is crazy enough in and of itself, but it's how dominant. Yeah, they, they went it, through like a buzzsaw. They made the MVP look like a guy. Um, they made the best team in the, the Bucks. I mean, they made the – that's when it really started to surprise me like crazy was how just dominant they were against the Bucks, And I still slept on them because I thought the Celtics were the much better team. And they just they just handled them straight the, up. A, the five seed lost three games to get to the NBA Finals. Think about that. Five, four, five series are supposed to be seven game series. Like first round matchups between four and five seeds are supposed to be six or seven game series. And they sweep, which obviously the Pacers are not what they could have been. But to only lose three games throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs, no matter who they're playing. And and I would argue that they played the two toughest teams outside of themselves in the East. Definitely. Right? Definitely. M- Milwaukee mm-hmm. and Boston. They played the yeah. two best teams in the East. 
and beat them. And and really, Milwaukee, they dominated. Milwaukee, they absolutely dominated. But Boston was tough. The series looks... It doesn't look like it was that tough, but we talked about it a few times. It, it could have swung either way. Bam had game one, one of the best blocks in NBA history to, to win game one. Uh, and then... I mean, even that right there, that just right there. Now you're talking about coming into this game, potentially, you know, Celtics are up three, two or whatever. So, but every game was tough. And particularly when you consider that I still like Jimmy Butler still not playing his best every night. I know he had, he had 22 and he took 19 shots in game six, which is, which is better. Just him being aggressive. I still think he was like the third or fourth best player on the Heat in game six, which is insane to think about. But like to me, we I said before these playoffs started, I went on local radio. I went on Zaslow's show. And I said that Bam Adebayo is going to be a household name by the end of these playoffs. Like People will know the name. And he's going to be – and he has a chance to boost himself into like the upper echelon of stars in this league. And what he did in games – I mean, if you're not – NBA fan, there's only one game to watch, and you just watched what he did to the Celtics. He looked, I mean, he was doing the things he was doing in game six. That that's Giannis. That's what Giannis does. What is what did what did he do in that game that what did he what did he not do in that game that Giannis can like he does all the same things based off of what I saw in that game. He was bringing the ball up, he was going to the rim, he was passing the ball. He actually his mid-range jumper looked just as good. He's an absolute stud. He is. It's not even a question to me anymore who the best player on that team is. It's him. I know I was. I flip flopped on that, but he's the best player on that team. Yeah, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. I mean, he just he, and he does everything like in the flow of the game too, which is you know, I mean, he doesn't need the ball. He doesn't. I, I think this was his career high postseason and regular season like regardless like this is the first time he topped 30 well, they, points he, he, they, didn't um, go to the, they didn't go to the playoffs last year so and this is only the oh, second right. year yeah um but yeah he just like he he's like that rare like standout player that doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time like that's kind of the beauty of what we we're talking about with the heat bucking the trend like he doesn't have he is the best player on the team that's pretty clear now but he doesn't have to be the go-to guy in any given game we've seen butler do it we've seen hero do it but he's going to be the best player defensively and he's going to get his four or five assists a game um rebound the shit out of the ball and then to get 32 out of him and probably the the biggest game of his career i would say um well that's what i'm I mean, saying the, and, the, and the again ceiling's the, crazy well also the bucking the trend thing is interesting to me because again i guess they're, they're bucking the trend in the sense that they don't currently have a top five, top 10 player, a first ballot Hall of Fame or whatever. That, so th- and that's what you generally have when you win a championship. But they have two guys on that team that are just playing where they should be playing in five years right now, which is Bam and Tyler Hero. Yes. Like These are two guys who could be top 15 well bam i think could be a top 10 player no no doubt in my mind he could be a top 10 player in the nba you're saying right now right right now or down i just road? mean in it, it, i mean he's okay. top 20 okay. for sure but like i mean look if he plays like he played tonight he's a top 10 player it's not i mean mm-hmm. that's a that's not even a question but like his ceiling is that top 10 type 
player perennially every year. And Hero, I think it's pretty clear from a talent perspective, ceiling-wise, he has a chance to be one of the better two guards in the NBA, at least offensively. And he's also, he rebounds the ball. He he handles it. He might end up being their point guard for a while until they figure out what's next at point. So they are bucking the trend in the sense that they don't have a current guy who you consider a top level player in the NBA, but from a talent perspective, how many guys are more talented than those two? They're really, I mean, it's hard to find, especially from a, for bigs, you're not going to find outside of maybe Jokic and AD in terms of true bigs, who's more talented than Bam. Don't, I mean, I I know where you're going. I know what you're going to think, but if we're thinking strictly talent level, Embiid, but Bam has Embiid beat in so many other categories like effort and um and ball handling and passing and decision making and definitely passing but everything Um, you can run you can legitimately run your offense through bam in different ways you can't run your offense through Embiid as much as you like to think you can you can't i'm saying talent wise you might be able to but like between the years you can't like Embiid just mentally is not is not where Sure. But if we're talking purely talent wise, but I don't necessarily I, I agree with that because if you're talking about sh- straight up post player talent, then yeah, Embiid's a better post player, no question. But if you're talking about anywhere other than five feet from the basket, Bam's a better player, and I include the three point line because as much Embiid can shoot the ball, that's fine. But he's he's like a thirty percent three point shooter. I don't want him that far away from the basket. I'll take Bam far away from the basket because of his ability to handle the ball and pass the ball. But either way, different. I'm just saying. Yeah, even let's yeah, say no, let's say you even put if you want to be a Philly homer and put Embiid up there, you and all your course. Philly people. Of course, that's then what I'm gonna be, yeah. outside of AD and Jokic and and Embiid, who's better than Bam as a as a truly as a big man? You could put Giannis in that big man. He's sort of between positions. I don't really know what he is. But he's so even if you put those four ahead of him, he's top five already in terms of big men. Yeah. But if we're talking about bucking the trend, like before these playoffs, like not many people were saying that. You were you said from the outset of the playoffs that Bam was the best player on this team and he was that good. But like if we're looking at this from the scope of bucking the trend, like this team didn't look like it had this much talent. You know, it looked like it was yeah, you know, just a, a true team effort on a nightly basis. Yeah, that um, and that is why they're bucking the trend. I just yeah, just but for the, we're seeing now, I think the talent's there. The, yeah, talent, absolutely, the talent is absolutely is, there when you look yeah. at those two guys, particularly Bam and then Hero. I mean, we've seen what he can do. He's just so good. I mean, he's 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 so talented. But it's uh, look, I, I'll say this. I'm going to talk about the Celtics for a second, and we can get back to... Actually, let's keep talking about the Heat, and we can talk about the Celtics in a second. Uh, the other thing about the Heat is they kind of alluded to it on the broadcast, but like they have so many guys on their roster that if you put if you talk about another championship team, like if you put them on the Lakers, you'd be like, this guy's an X-factor for the team. Like This guy could be the X-factor in the, in the, like in the finals. This guy could be an X-factor. So if you look at every game the Heat won in this series, game one, Jay Crowder had 20-something 20, 20 points. Game two, Goron had 25 points. 
uh, game four where they went up 3-1. Tyler Hero had 37. And then tonight, Iguodala has 15 points and goes four for four from three. And you didn't even mention Duncan Robinson, who we know has the ability to uh, to get buckets. How many did he have in uh, the game five loss? Like 26 or something? Yeah, he went. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they just have weapons that you're right would look really, really good on these other teams that need uh, some juice off the bench. But I mean, I know Duncan Robinson has been starting for them, but uh, it's really just a unique, unique situation there. And man, I, I think it's going to be a series. I know I. I know we haven't moved on to the finals preview yet, but I'm blown away by the heat. I'm glad to be extremely wrong about them in this series. Um, You were close. I texted you. It was 96-90. Celtics were up 96-90 with 9-15 left. And I texted you. I was like, what a a collapse that's happening right now for the heat. And then they end up going. They ended up outscoring the Celtics 35-17 in the last nine minutes of the game. Yep, that was with 9.15 left. Yep. Boston was up 96.90, and then the whole game, it turned into a different game almost. Hero mm-hmm. got kind of hot. Bam, like he was already having a good game, and he took it to another level. And then the Celtics like, kind of fell into this, like we're only going to shoot three-pointers. Once, they gave up, once they gave up a little bit. Once regained the yeah. lead, and, and – Brad Stevens had been preaching all series long how important it was for them to get to the rim, and uh, they, they fell into this lull, and uh, and Miami just stepped on their neck. It was kind of beautiful. <laughs> it was like yeah. Miami was like, we got this lead back, and there's no shot. You're, you're, you're yeah. taking it from us. And Bam just sort of – it's the second time in this series where you could see the light bulb go on where he knew, yeah. like where it was like – there was it was – I want to say game four – where Cantor, where the light bulb sort of went on, and he was like, "Oh wait, Cantor's guarding me," and he and he went at him, and then in this mm-hmm. game, he finally was just like, "Oh wait, Daniel Tice is the guy guarding me. Let me just go to the rim every single time." And then there was there was just a point. He almost evolved a little bit in this game in the second half to me because it it didn't it wasn't just like all right I'm gonna get it in the flow of the offense. There was a point in the second half where he seemed to be like, this is, I'm going to run this offense and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go do my thing, whether it's getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, dropping it off to others. Like he just kind of something seemed to click, which is scary to think about because uh, of how good he already is. Um, but that's, but for this team, if that's what his evolution is, then that yeah. makes him a championship level team. I got to just say, we've talked about it a few times. It cannot go understated what Pat Riley did with this team. It, it just, it is mind blowing to look at their roster from last season. Um, pulling it up real quick, but it's mind blowing to look at the roster that they missed the playoffs with last season and look at this team now. And even though you still, you wouldn't look that you you didn't look at this team at the beginning of the year. You probably didn't even look at this team coming into the playoffs and say they're going to the finals. But either no, way, but either way, but just looking back at the guys that this team was playing major major minutes last year, like you know their best, their 
you know, their, their leader, leading scorer was Josh Richardson, yeah, right? Right. Their leading scorer was Josh Richardson. He's the only guy on the team last year that played more than 30 minutes a game. Justice Winslow was a, still a huge part of their future plans. They D Wade was on their team last year. Goran only Goran Dragic only played 36 games last year. Whiteside, right? Was he Whiteside got trade? Oh no, yeah, Whiteside was on the team, but then they benched him eventually for Bam, but he still played they still played the same amount of minutes. Dion mm-hmm. Waiters was on the team. Tyler Johnson played a lot of minutes. Uh James Johnson, Wayne Ellington, I mean that Rodney Magruder played 66 minutes for that team or 66 games last year for that team. You know, we should look into we should you look, look at into that team and like, then you look at this team and you're talk you go from that to Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Andre Godala. Oh my god. I don't know how you would calculate it, but like in terms of like the turnover in minutes between one year and the next for a team that goes to the finals, like there It's got to be one of the best like one year rebuilds ever. Right. Just in terms of like the amount of pieces that got changed and and, and not and only that, and but like improvement. It's just a miracle his ability to unload clowns. Like that roster was full of clowns. I mean that yeah. that roster overpaid Hassan Whiteside, overpaid Deion Waiters, overpaid James Johnson, overpaid Tyler uh, Johnson, and somehow was able to come off every single one of them and turn it into a championship roster. An unlikely championship roster, but still. Yeah. And I, one that looks dangerous as hell for the next five to six years. Yeah, well, that's just that's mainly because you know of hero and back to back years of nailing the thirteenth pick. Yeah, because I when I was in when I worked in the NBA, I did a, a study where I went back like twenty years of like analyzing lottery picks, and mm-hmm. at least when I was there, I think there was like a good fifteen to twenty year span where there was not one franchise player drafted between eleven and fourteen. Wow. Uh how so, did you how did you define franchise player? Just like leading score or like what were the Yeah, I think it was like all star, even making an okay. all star game. Gotcha. Or That's like interesting. Leading uh, yeah. They, it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. Like I think there was a stretch where like the maybe the best guy drafted in that range was JJ Reddick. Wow. Who's still good. But, yeah, but not he's a not bam. Player. He's not bam. Yeah. I got in a big argument with a buddy yesterday who was like if the Heat win the championship, why wouldn't Giannis come to the Heat? I'm like, if the Heat win the championship, why do you want to mortgage your future to go get Giannis? Yeah, you just beat makes... him four one, and he basically is the same exact thing as Bam, and Bam's five years younger. Not the same exact. Uh, it's an exaggeration. I don't want to marginalize what Giannis is because he's obviously an All NBA. He's an elite back to back MVP, whatever. But like, you look at this roster and the things you'd probably have to give up at this point to go get Giannis. Right. Unless he comes when as a free agent, but then even if you get him as a free agent, you still have to give up a lot because of how much you have to pay. And then are you playing him next to Bam? It's just like, I was like, I'm not, if I win a championship, I'm running it back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or, yeah, or making some minor adjustments right. here and there and, and, well, figuring this out core because until... you're going to lose Goron. I mean, Goron's a free agent, so you got to do that. And, but besides from the, I mean, either way, it, this is, it's, it's unbelievable. Just an unbelievable story. What what a run they're on! Uh, the, so the Celtics. Uh, I thought Jason Tatum gave up in the fourth quarter, but I, I think he's going to win an NBA championship. 
at some point in his career. So do I. He um, is just so damn. And his numbers, like his shooting, he went nine for 26 in game six. And he, and for like the third or fourth game in a row, he just struggled in the, in the first half. But he's 24 points, 11 assists, rebounds. And he's just relentless. Like he's, he is like legitimately the guy you want to be your go-to scorer on a good team because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how he's shooting the ball. He is going to get buckets and he is not going to stop. Like he is, he's so good. He is going to be the, I think he's going to be the best player on a championship team at some point. I don't know if it's this team or this roster or what, how it looks, but I'm so high on him. Even when he plays bad, I'm high on him. Yeah. I'm super high on him. It was fun to watch him kind of work through some struggles because he was really, really bad in the first half. I think the past three games. Um, But his confidence is so high that like, he was able to bounce back, and the Celtics were in every single one of these games. Heat were the better team in the series, no question about it. Celtics were in all of these games, even though their best player was really bad for long stretches, but he, mm-hmm. he got it together. And, like, my main takeaway is just the confidence. To, to play that bad in a first half Isn't and he still 22? have like your 22 team. years old, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, his, he's not even Crazy. close to being as consistent as he probably will be. Um and in terms of being the best team on a championship roster, I definitely see that. And I also definitely see, I mean, this could be the Eastern Conference Finals like several more times in the coming years. You know what they I mean? Need like, to, they need to figure teams- out, they need to figure out they have de- they have major, and I, I've, I've sort of flip-flopped on their depth. But again, we mm-hmm. talk about how you go like eight deep on the heat and like outside of Jimmy and Bam who are their guys. Everybody else is like a legit X factor on a good team. Mm-hmm. The Celtics don't have that. And they're going to have to figure that out because when you go, when you're making a run in the playoffs, you need those guys. And they just don't have those guys. They really don't. I mean, they have six guys. Cantor was a factor for a little bit in this series, but you can't play him for long stretches. He only ended up playing seven minutes in game six. Mm-hmm. But they just don't have the guys. Like, they don't have the guy. That's going to come in off the bench. I mean, Gordon Hayward, I guess, but he's technically a starter. Marcus Smart. It, yeah, it's they have six guys really, and Tice is not even really one of them. They they need if they're gonna if they're gonna be a deep team, they need some depth. They need in a playoff run, you just you got to have those guys who come out of nowhere and have big games to help you mm-hmm. out. And but the- this series, it was Marcus Smart a lot. But he yeah. also had to be one of their best players for them to compete. Mm-hmm. I just like that issue is a lot more addressable than, you know, not having these two, your two horses and Tatum and Brown. I mean, to me, that for the next couple of years is has them competitive, like super sure. competitive. And the only uh, team, the only other team I see in the East right now, look, the Nets, I, we know is the, yeah. is the Nets. But and I'm also not ready to just totally write the Bucks off. They still have Giannis. They're still had the best record in the NBA two years in a row. And it, it's like th- they'll make moves, they'll they'll address their roster issues, and they'll they'll win a ton of games next year. So I'm not ready to just say that they're not going to be in it. But yet th- these they're I mean these two teams particularly just because of how young their stars are. That's what I'm looking for, at. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not ready to say that. The, the I, Celtics have some stuff to address, I think, just rosters stuff. B- 
because they they just haven't signed. Like a lot of these young guys, Grant Williams is going to be pretty good, I think. But I like we both liked Robert Williams at one point in the series. I think he, but he's I, like I think he's kind of a a big question mark, but with a high ceiling. He's only good and he yeah he's good for stretches, but he's so limited offensively. I think so he's he, super young too. He's twenty two. Okay. Yeah, but he's also one of those guys that's sort of being phased out in the NBA. That like he's so limited offensively that you can't play him for long stretches of time because he can't play at the elbow. He doesn't handle the ball. He's a rim runner. He's like DeAndre Jordan, but not as good. You know, it, which he's still young, but mm. even DeAndre Jordan is kind of phased out in today's NBA. Like he's just not a guy you want on the floor for crunch time long stretches so i mean williams is a good energy guy off the bench but they need guys like your main guys coming off the bench to to boost you they need guys who off the bench who can boost them offensively because like grant williams i think they they even said it on the like again he's got that like pj tucker vibe where he's a good defender and maybe he'll be a jump shooter uh canter we know what he is robert williams we know pretty much what he is and then outside of their top six guys, the only other guy they bring off the bench to try to that can score is Brad Wanamaker, and he he's not going off. Like they don't have those guys where you you just like any any night you're concerned that this guy's going to come off the bench and really contribute, and that's what they need to address because mm-hmm. it, it really hurt them. I mean, Tatum nine for twenty six, he's going to have his rough nights. They got. They got 90 points from Kemba, Marcus Smart, Tatum, and Brown. And really, 102 points from their big five. 102 points from those guys, and they lost. That's crazy. And they only scored one. They had 102 points from Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, and Gordon Hayward, and they scored 113 points. So five guys scored 102 points, and the rest of their team scored 11. That's you know what's not, jumping what, out of me right now from this it. game? is the Marcus smart 13, three point attempts, 22 shots. Like he, he's just too, too involved offense. I mean, not involved, but he's like, he's just, that's not who he is. He's this really, really good. But that's part part, that sort of speaks to their issue, their depth issues. Right. I guess, but like, I'm fine with him taking 15 shots and those shots, those remaining 20 or uh, seven shots get spread out to Tatum and Brown. Like, I'm saying he needs to in embrace his two, role more. In the last two series, in this will be the last thing on the Celtics, but in the last two series, the the Raptors and the Heat both keyed in on Kemba. Kemba looked mm-hmm. awful. Uh, he looked really bad in the playoffs. La- this in Game Six, he got in foul trouble. Jalen Brown, you know, he he played fine. He did what he had to do, but somebody else has to score. Someone else has to take shots, and they. That's a testament, I think, also to Miami's defense, is. You don't want him to, if you're the Celtics, you don't want Marcus Smart taking twenty two shots, but the Heat's defense is not allowing other guys to get shots. So if he's the guy who has an open shot, he's gonna take shots. That's what he's there for. So Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think twenty two shots is ideal for Marcus Smart, but I think that's partially a testament to the Heat's defense. Uh but yeah, these two teams could be playing each other for a long time. It's it's really interesting, but for now. For now. Right now. Miami will play the Lakers. Woo. LeBron James. Game five, LeBron James. Another 
30-point triple-double for LeBron James. This is the one he's gotten in this postseason. They won Game 5 on Saturday night, 117-107. They win their third straight series, 4-1. Um, it's, just, it's, so, it's so crazy to me that how we just sort of brush it off as not that impressive. They won 4-1, 4-1, 4-1. And in every series, there was like a reason why the Lakers wouldn't win this series. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, uh, Portland's deeper, and Houston has the small ball, and uh, Denver keeps coming back. There's always something. But then as soon as the Lakers win 4-1, it's like, oh, well, what'd you expect? Yeah. They're the Lakers, and this other team's this other team. It's like we just write off the Lakers for what they're doing. Like, it's, it's LeBron. So they won four. Yeah, they're supposed to win 4-1. It's it's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. I, I can't re- reiterate this enough. I know I've harped on it before, but like with LeBron James, we're watching something we've absolutely never seen before. Like well, we cannot take it for granted. We're we're watching a a a once in a lifetime athlete. For me, you, anybody listening to this podcast, you, you, when you're watching LeBron James, that is like cherish that because well, he it's ties, not coming around again. This ties Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the the third most finals appearances in NBA I mean, history. Just, is it 10 he's, of 11 or 9 of 10? 9 of the last. Something he's been stupid. He's been in like, the finals. This is his ninth finals in the last 10 years. I mean, last that, year that was the only one. Last year was the so, only. Here's the, And the crazy thing is this. I would argue that he knew last year he wasn't going to the finals. Like when he went to the Lakers for the first year, mm-hmm. he went he's there. Around. He went he went there with the understanding in his mind that he was not going to the finals last year. He had I a plan. Agree. In his yeah. head, he had a plan. He was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to I'm going to figure out who makes sense on this team and who doesn't. And we're going to go get a big free agent in the offseason. Probably he already he probably had Anthony Davis in mind. Or actually they made a trade, but still. Mm-hmm. Probably had AD in mind and he was like I'll rest up, and in my 17th season, I'll go back to the finals again. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. You know he's headed to the Lakers. He's looking at Lonzo Ball. He's looking at Brandon Ingram. Uh, he's looking at – did they get anything for Julius Randle, or did he leave? I, I forget. That might not be the right timeline. But point is, he knows he's going to a team with assets. Randle like, wasn't I, there with LeBron. Randle was going yeah, there Yeah, I'm off there. But, like, I completely agree that he he – I mean, he probably believed he could drag any team into the into the finals, but like, in terms but of not in the West, I think he knew. Like, right. I think he but probably I, knew going there. Like, all right, I'll, I'll we'll just for one year, mm-hmm. I'll let it. Let me get a goddamn break and uh, yeah. And he was playing GM ahead of time, knowing absolutely. You, how many you see first his press conference the other day? Did you see his press conference after? No. They asked him basically like. Uh, what um, you know what was going through your mind when you won? And he he said all these things like I was thinking about Denver and Mike Malone and I how much I because you know Mike Malone was in Cleveland when LeBron was he, was a rookie he was an assistant mm-hmm. so okay, you guys know how much I love Mike Malone and how I was thinking about how well he coached that team and how well they played and then you know I was thinking about guys on our team you know the guys whose first time. It's their first time being in the in, a, in an NBA Finals. Guys like AD, you know, this is what I brought him here for. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's true. He legitimately like, he said is... that, and it was just yeah. like, yeah, no, and no one even blinks an eye. It's just like, yep, makes mm-hmm. that's right. 
You brought him. You did it. You and Rich Rob Palenka is in the background, just like seething, probably. Rob Palenka is in the background, like it's the easiest job on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just amazing, and he's getting better, dude. Like, listen to this. This is from last from that game from game five. Final six made field goals in the fourth quarter were all were all unassisted, which is tied for the most solo shots he's made in the fourth quarter of a playoff game in his career. So he's just like, right, I'm taking over. Uh, it was also the most points he's ever scored in the fourth quarter of a series clincher. And he's 38 and 10 in closeout games. One of the my best, favorite things. That's the best, by the way, for anybody who, who ever wants to try to say that LeBron's not like a clutch player. Yeah, he's thirty-eight and ten in closeout games, which is the best record in those games by any player in league history. Which is also probably because he's probably played the most games, playoff games in NBA history. Because he just he's that he's the best. He's he's been playing forever, and he he's just not slowing down. It's crazy. Here, here's one of my favorite things about LeBron, and it kicked in in that fourth quarter, and it's been this way for like a decade now. If he's hitting that mid-range jumper and three-point shot, like that game's basically over like and everyone knows it you know like when yeah. he gets hot without having to get to the rim you're losing that game and it's so fun when it kicks in and you can see it in his eye and uh how many you said six in a row he made and what you said he made six shots in a row in well, the fourth no quarter? it was his fi- well yeah his fi- his last six shots his final six made field goals were all unassisted okay yeah and i think a, a most of those were those mid-range and then maybe like a pull-up three. And by the fifth or sixth one, you're just like, that. that's going in. I know that's going in. Because mm-hmm. when he gets hot, he, he's untouchable. And uh, it's just so fun. And, man, did, I, do we want to preview it yet? Or no, <laughs> still no, 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 no. We'll, okay. we'll preview it. I mean, we have... Getting ahead of myself here. Well, it's Monday. And we yeah. have the, the game one's on Wednesday. So we have all week okay. to sort of preview it little by little. Um, so we don't yeah, have hold to, me back. Hold we don't, me yeah, back. we don't really have to dive too much into the matchup right now. I think this, this episode is more in praise of these two teams, yeah. it, you know, because it's, you look at the late, you look at the Lakers and at every turn this year, people were trying to make up a reason why they wouldn't go to the finals. I think before the season, there was a, a lot of people who picked them to finish like fourth in the West. Um, and then, of course, understandably with the Heat, no one thought they would. I mean, I think both stories are pretty incredible. When you look at LeBron, everyone is constantly looking for a reason to say he's not the best player in the NBA anymore. We did it. You know? Oh, yeah. We we do it. Anytime Kawhi has a great game, it's like, all right, well, Kawhi's better than LeBron now. But just amazing. It's, it, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's just, he's he's amazing. So you're looking at, from a storyline perspective, now you're looking at a guy who's fighting to be the best player ever against a team that has no business even being in the finals. It's so cool. And then, oh, by the way, it's LeBron playing the Heat, yeah. and it's Frank Vogel and Eric Spolstra. I mean, I was going to say, it's a crime that uh, this is in the bubble. And can you imagine those Heat fans when game, what it would be game three, when LeBron enters the bit, like gets introduced? Yeah. That's one that sucks. Like I would love, even just as, as over the broadcast, to hear the Heat fans react to everything LeBron's doing. Because like, and it's all totally mixed down there, right? In terms of 
who thinks LeBron's a traitor and who still loves him. Miami fans are weird. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a, 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 there's, I think fans, I think the real like fans understand what he did for uh-huh. the organization coming here, you know, winning. But I think there's still just like yeah, any, any fan base, there's bitter people that are like, oh, he left, uh, yeah. went back. But I think you sort I think people, I think get it. Like, yeah, he won us two championships. Yeah. Um, but shout out Dwight Howard, by the way. Another basically double-double, nine points, nine rebounds. Jokic got in foul trouble. I mean, he probably wouldn't even play in the finals. So uh, how amazing is that? The guy comes in, basically changes the dynamic of the Western Conference finals, didn't really play at all the rest of the playoffs, now probably won't play again in the playoffs. And looks like he has a ch- really good chance to get the first ring of his career. And he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's super badass to just be like this kind of weapon that they needed to beat uh, it's, it's, an up-and-coming Denver team. But look, Dwight's a borderline Hall of Famer who now might have a ring. You know, it's yeah. it's really interesting. I just, I can't really, I just don't like him. I don't have that many good things to say about him. I think like, that if, if he yeah. doesn't get voted into the Hall of Fame, it's going to be because media members just don't like his personality. Yeah. Because... He's got a pretty legit shot. Like that stretch he had in Orlando, he was about as dominant as it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be so fun. We'll preview it throughout the week. Uh, but by the way, I, one thing, if you haven't, th- I read a story this morning on ESPN.com. You know, this whole Jimmy Butler coffee shop th- situation in yes. the bubble? Yes. Great story on ESPN.com. That makes the heat just seem even more likable about. So basically the gist of it is real quick is that Jimmy Butler started this. They, the coffee shops in the bubble all started to shut down as the players got there because there wasn't enough business, like because the the players are the only ones there. So the actual coffee shops in the bubble, they all started to shut down. So there was no coffee shops. So Jimmy Butler started making coffee, calls it big face coffee he has like a bunch of different machines and he's real like professional with it. And he charges 20 bucks a cup, no matter what size, small, medium, large. <laughs> Their assistant trainer started a rival coffee shop called Little Face Coffee for the people who can't afford 20 bucks a cup. And he's got a French press like pour over and he's five bucks a cup, no matter what. And it's only black coffee. And he leaves his door open. So even when he's not there, if you want to make coffee at Little Face Coffee, you can go into his room and make coffee. Oh my god! That's and it's awesome. and it's like a rivalry now. It's amazing. I, so it's I a, knew about. It's a very cool story. It's very fun and like just the way everyone sort of bought into it from the team. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool. You know what it made me think? It was like this is literally like a high school or an AAU team full of millionaires just hanging out <laughs> in Orlando. Because yeah. they're all. I mean, it's it, it's got to be miserable being there being stuck in a hotel for three months for two months and not having really anything to do and they're literally just like scrounging to figure out things to keep them busy other than Mm -hmm. basketball and it's just jimmy butler starts a successful uh coffee business oh no i think his his business manager they i think it was his business manager they they actually they got they quoted him in the article too and they he basically said that like seven out of ten calls that he takes now on a daily basis are about coffee and that oh this is going to lead to like different <laughs> partnerships outside yeah. the bubble and stuff like that. So it's pretty funny. And then the best part was, I guess after a game, one time Jimmy was getting interviewed and they were asked him about Big Face Coffee and Bam 
at a bio walk by and said, you should make, start making donuts. And Jimmy looked at him like, how the fuck am I supposed to make donuts? <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's, it's a good article. Check it out. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, this series, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to previewing it. Me too. I'm, I, yeah, it's weird. I'm looking forward to previewing the series that I'm also looking forward to watching. I've never been in this situation before. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, so we'll probably start that tomorrow. Um, what a what what a what a time to be an NBA fan. What a great what a great it couldn't have worked out better. I actually think Heat Lakers is better than Boston LA. Even though Boston LA has the history, I think this series will be more fun. I do too. More story, Especially with this, this more LeBron story subplot. Yeah. It's gonna be fun. Uh all right. We'll uh we'll check you guys tomorrow and we'll start previewing the NBA finals. Later. Later.